0: Okay, we are so excited to have Coriander Woodruff with us this evening. Now, Coriander focuses a full-time creator working most in the mediums of photography and written word. Coriander creates between four and 8,000 photos per year and shares her art with her community alongside poetry, short stories, and other creative exploration. Coriander spent her youth deep in the mountains of rural Appalachia, where her love of wild places was cultivated. She has since captured that love using fine art photography for more than a decade. She has worked as an artist and has had her work displayed nationally across galleries and shows since 2010. Coriander's other great love is teaching. Since 2008, Coriander has taught a wide range of classes from fairy house building to immersive private photography workshops. And we are so glad to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi,
1: thank you. Do you want me to correct her on the pronunciation of Appalachia or do you want to do that? We both <laughs> made the same face. I'm like, it's Appalachia.
2: Come on now. <laughs> Appalachia.
0: <laughs> I, I apologize. Uh, so, okay. So correct me. It's
2: Appalachia. I mean, I'm English is English. As long as people understand each other, you're good to go. I would say Appalachia.
1: Okay. Any, anyone east of the Mississippi will laugh at you for saying Appalachia.
0: Well, well, I apologize to everyone East of the Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> the Texas accent, maybe that's that,
2: a little bit. Yeah. Sure. There okay, we go. Good.
0: Well, we'll blame that. Well, I apologize. Well, we are still so glad you're here.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
0: Well, I would love if we can start. I think it's always nice to get a background and a little more of your story and how you've got
2: started. Um. Yeah. So I guess the kind of the two worlds that I would discuss in relation to this are like um, my art, which is uh, my aunt is a jeweler. My mom, I think also interviewed with a show. She's was an artist, does writing now. And so I just grew up like really steeped in the creative practice. And so it's always something I've been drawn to. And when I was maybe 12 or 13, I got my first camera and dove head first and started making art kind of constantly doing photography in 2020, uh, I quit my job in DC. I bought an RV. I traveled the U S and made art full-time supported completely by Patreon, which was, it was very cool. It was a really wonderful experience. And now I'm kind of, I'm still living in there to be, and I'm splitting my time between, uh, Nashville, Tennessee and Virginia, Pennsylvania, East coast area. Oh, um, wow. yeah. And so I make a ton of art, and then in the last couple, last year or two, kind of since I started traveling, um, I've been doing a lot of poetry and writing, which has been a fun and different experience and dyslexic, and so I think I've always been a little hesitant around writing because it's always been, like, not a strong suit for me, um, so I'm kind of trying to let that go and just, like, I'm a write, and, you know, peers and pairs may escape me <laughs> but spell check for the most part catches it so uh, and i have a fantastic editor who goes through and catches uh comment comment and comment was the most recent one where it was like i i knew what i was trying to say it's fine um that's sort of my creative practice and then on the other side in the world of spirituality i come from a poly household i had three parents um growing up and was raised in a pagan or interfaith community from about three years old on i'm now an executive officer of a spiritual nonprofit that helps people kind of find their path whatever they're working on we have no strict clergy we have no high priestess we don't have anything like that anybody who's a member can run a ceremony so it's sort of creating a space for people to be able to follow what they want and to give them some guidelines and help if they need it and then together at least once a year we raise and move multi-ton stones by hand anywhere from one to 10 tons up to I think 27 feet high is the tallest and the most complicated piece of equipment we use is a five to one block and tackle but everything else is basically by hand levers and and we do that every year. That's (laughs) so cool. (laughs) It's real fun. It's, it's pretty magical. Um, and so, yeah, I am very dedicated to my spiritual practice and put a lot of time in, in my own day-to-day working, but also on the like organizing events and getting everyone together and, you know, who's going to pick up the chairs and who's charging the radios and (laughs) kind of the practical side of being part of a spiritual community. (laughs) It sounds like you stopped just shy of moving actual mountains. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's wow. amazing. Thank you.
0: That I mean, I'm just blown away. That, that really is incredible. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I mean, that's so fascinating.
2: Yeah. So the yeah, Stone Circle Council is the spiritual group that I work with. And they're fantastic and a really great organization. Um, and we have bylaws and code of conduct and all of that stuff. And we have one of the things I like is that we have uh, Pretty rapidly rotating board, very specifically to help keep new people coming in, keep the that power kind of that baton passing along. Because I think a lot of toxicity happens when power stagnates with one person. And so, one of our big goals is to avoid that. Yeah, yeah. no one can get entrenched if you have the constant power
1: shifting. So right. that's yeah. really foresightful. I like that. I'm trying, I'm trying, man. Trying. <laughs>
0: I wish we could work that into other areas. That's brilliant. I can think
1: of like five organizations (laughs) that would be brilliant for.
2: (laughs) Wow. So you are staying busy. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Today I mailed off, I'm doing little Valentine's postcards. Um, So they have my poetry written on one side and it's sort of love for yourself and love for others and frustration with love and like the sort of complex world of love um, and done in little poems and then an increment of 10 and then I mailed them off to people because uh, I believe we're all first graders that should have shiny boxes and everyone gets little cards. And so I was like, who else wants this? And it turns out other people wanted it. So I got to mail those and it was really fun today. Uh, It's one of my favorite parts of art is the community aspect and spirituality too is sort of Mm -hmm. community and community building.
1: Absolutely, oh, that's, that's a wonderful idea. We need to, I wish we all did stuff like that. Yeah, I think she's to something with us all still being first graders because I'm still sad <laughs> that we don't have like the little, the funny ones or the cute oh. ones that always came with a sucker attached. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And yeah, like you need to, those. We, there's lots we can learn, man. Like, you don't yeah. touch anybody unless you ask. And uh, I think I have big opinions about creativity and how the school system kind of messes with that. And how Mm -hmm. if you ask first graders, I think 99% of them say they're creative. And if you ask kids about to graduate, it's like 5% say they're creative. It's nuts of like, there's something happening here, you know, in these years that, you know, it makes a big difference of what people think of as creativity, which is, I don't know, kind of terrifying.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's something about that internal standard you hold for yourself as you get older that if you're not really good at it, it's not encouraged and so you stop. Right. Right.
2: Absolutely. Uh, Well, I I guess that kind of segues into one of the things Mm -hmm. we had kind of talked about was um, the idea of spirituality and creativity coming together and uh, using your creativity as a spiritual practice. I like to kind of start with definitions because my partner was raised Jewish and is now agnostic and pretty quickly when we were talking, we realized Mm -hmm. that our definition for words like prayer and church and God and worship meant wildly different things.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, we are very big fans of clarifications of terms and definitions out the outset. We do that to our (laughs) listeners all the time. So you are in good company, by all means, start with definitions.
2: So that's, that's, we spent a lot of time talking together and kind of, it made me really think about like what words I used and what they meant to me. Um, Mm -hmm. So I like to think of the word artist uh, as anyone who approaches their work with creativity. So, that's easily defined stuff like artists, sculptors, painters, musicians, but it includes a lot more elusive art like accountants who can make numbers sing or mechanics who can determine what's wrong in an engine by the sound. So, social workers who untangle difficult situations, anybody who approaches the world with that intention is an artist, which I think is basically everyone, right? To be alive is to create art. So, then art. Is that creation with intention, and that's to me an act of ritual and prayer. So, which we'll come back to those words later. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but art doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to make sense to everyone. It doesn't have to have a, you know, special academic style or metaphor leaking behind or like any of that. Like it's just, just creation is the act. Right. Of art. And then the word magic. I had a good friend who once described prayer is the thing you do. Um, When there's no direct action we can make to create a change, it's a yielding, an offering of power outside of your control. Mm -hmm. Action is the thing we do to directly make change in the world around us. And magic is that fuzzy place in between action and prayer. So it's when you bump the proverbial pinball table to change the cast of the ball. So that's the little like kind of shifting space in between. Mm -hmm. I love that. That is awesome. It's, it's a great a, way she, of
1: describing it.
2: It's such a great, yeah, because I was like, I don't, yeah, I love that description. So if we work from the idea that we're all artists, what is the the work of practice? Um, so I like to, so I like everyone to kind of take a moment and like, anytime I teach a class, I like mm-hmm. to like remind people that we are all artists and we are all participating in this and to try to shed some of those old beliefs of like, not good enough. And then- If you wanna continue with that, the next step is practice, right? Mm -hmm. So throughout my life, I have periodically felt like every drop of creativity has been drained out of me uh, and I will never be creative again. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What I'm reminded of is that often creativity and my spiritual practice, it's less like water pouring out of a cup and more like a conduit to the divine reaching that flow state or that alternated spiritual sp- state is feeling this connection of the di- divine coming through and being manifested through my work. Elizabeth wow. Gilbert has a really wonderful book Big Magic or if you're really busy she has some really good TED talks The Elusive Genius. They're really great. They talk a lot about that concept of kind of stuff coming through. But that's I feel like that like that channeling thing is this like wonderful idea. <laughs> <laughs> but for most of us Most of the time, it's not as simple as opening up and letting the divine and the art flow through. Most of the time, Mm -hmm. it's about practice and work. Mm -hmm. And some, a lot of people have daily rituals or meditations or other structures of practice of spiritual work. And for me, magic and prayer as a daily practice is often about bringing that intention and focus to the forefront. So for example, I only listen to soft, gentle music When I bake, I try to focus on the good things of my life and sing into the dough and like bread is alive and a great place to start with mindfulness and baking with intention. I used to braid my hair before bed and each night I braid in a different intention of something else I wanted to have in the next day. So that's the sort of idea of like working that little bit of magic into these daily activities. Sorry, I I was all like I don't monologue and then I feel like I definitely monologue. <laughs> no, this is this is brilliant. I mean,
0: I'm just thinking, wow, like cuz when I cook, there's no telling what I have on. I have the TV going and all this and I'm like, gosh, but you could it could be a, I think it, you always have to just meditate. But it's like, no, that could be time to be mindful and all that. I mean, this is brilliant. Yeah. I would have never thought of that.
2: Yeah, I like it's not always, but I've tried to bring it into places. Like I am an avid cycler and so trying to like bring my thoughts down to nothing but the moment of pedaling and mm-hmm. what it feels like in that movement um or sweeping. or like, you know, anytime you kind of think of it, just taking a moment to be really mindful, which like, according to my therapist and a bunch of books is kind of like the point of everything <laughs> is uh-huh. <to> be mindful <laughs> I think I think art can be really it's such a mindful practice, right? Especially for me doing photography or doing poetry. like you're often trying to capture this elusive thing that, mm-hmm isn't easily translated, right? Like Mm -hmm. you write poetry about the world around us because the feeling of love and frustration and challenge isn't something that has a single, I guess the Germans might have a single word for it, but for the rest of us, we have to write a poem. Right. To like express. To encapsulate yeah. it. Yeah. Schadenfreuser, Schaden. I don't know. I had a big case of that the other day. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> taking way too much joy in someone else's suffering. <laughs> oh, schaden freud Yep. That one's yeah, a good that one,
1: one. That one.
2: That's, I don't know. I'm, I'm opening up to you guys a little bit.
1: No, that's a really great way to kind of just set the stage for how you approach things. Because, like, obviously, we already covered how important definitions are and how you use the word you're talking about, but using that in the way you approach the world in general, you're very mindful about everything. It sounds like
2: not just the I'd words like you to choose, it's but it's definitely a work in progress. Like yes. I definitely zoned out listening to murder podcasts today while I cleaned the house. Like that also totally happens. There's some spaces that I try to be especially intentional in. Um, I also ride a motorcycle and that's another one where like, you cannot let your mind wander. Like you no. gotta be in the moment uh, the whole time. Um, yeah no
1: attentive to the world around you definitely important for that life-saving thing but no I feel you on the murder podcast I was listening to one on the way home because when I'm stuck in traffic (laughs) if other people are dying then I don't
2: feel as murderous yeah sure yeah I (laughs) fall asleep to them and my partner was like you absolutely do not and I was like yeah I'm like if you fall asleep before me I put them on really low and just like
1: (sighs) yeah it's soothing (laughs) I'll also do that with murder mysteries and it drives my husband insane
0: (laughs) My goodness, I'm the wuss here. I get too scared. I can't listen to them. But I can do everything with ghosts. That's fine, but not murder.
2: Interesting. I know. So, okay, so I guess the in the world of these things, we kind of talked about creativity and the act of creating and like doing that practice, and then some spiritual how we have that spirituality and how we practice that. Um, which kind of leads to like tying them together. Um nice. So some of the ways, some folks like to make devotional art. Um, I have done that. It's not always my practice, but I really like the idea. Um, Or creating physical items to be used in ceremonies. You see a lot of, uh, I'm working on a tarot deck. Uh, I know a lot of people who make some incredible like rune stuff. Um, So there's a lot of ways to kind of tie your creativity and your spiritual practice together. But I think the one that I feel the most drawn to, and I think I apply the most, Um, is the processing and manifesting. Um, So processing is maybe dancing a little closer uh, to art therapy, right? (laughs) It all kind of intertwines to me. um, But when I'm working through something that doesn't fit fit inside of me very well, making art often helps me kind of work it out, um, especially when it feels not easily defined or doesn't have good words, kind of like we were talking about before. But I think most often, um, I create with the intent to manifest. Often for me, I think it's about manifesting hope. The idea that as Samwise Gamge says that there's something good in this world and it's there's something good in this world and it's worth fighting for. In winter of 2021, um, I was following the news of the insurrection, um, and at the same time found out that my ex-partner's father and brother had COVID, and this all can happen in the same hour. <laughs> Uh, and this was way more than I could handle, uh, and I had a day long panic attack. And then I bought a $4,000 camera, um, and I bought the camera, not as much as retail therapy, maybe a little, but it was, to me, it felt like this act of hope, right. That the world would Mm -hmm. continue to go on and that folks would still want to pay me to be creative and that it was worth to keep doing, There were
1: things worth capturing in the future that you wanted to be ready for.
2: Right. (laughs) That I, that I'd still get up in the morning and get out front of the covers and go make art. Art is a powerful tool to shape the world, right? Mm -hmm. Individually change someone's perception of themselves or help do our part to push the needle on what is considered beautiful or acceptable. And I think that makes art a solid reminder for us to connect to our goals and what we want to see in the world so I feel like art and spiritual practice has a tie to our responsibility to the world and each other right that we make art responsibly that we don't appropriate other spiritual practices or other creative practices that we you know are mindful with what we create is such a vital kind of part to my practice and I think more and more people are starting to move that way right like I see that more and more where my community no longer uses sage as a smudge you know like you know do the best you can and when you know better do better
1: yep I feel the same way I was raised very much to smudge with sage only to learn that sage is a protected plant and smudge is a specific practice that uh, you need to be trained in in order to actually participate in so you change as you learn new things and you hope to share that with the people around you
2: yeah i think that's kind of all we can do yeah Um, yeah did you guys have any questions or dialogue we want to have that's sort of like that's sort of my my spiel of like how i do my work that's an Um, impressive spiel not gonna lie i try
1: (laughs) no absolutely um caitlin do you i i mean the questions i have are more things like um like in this moment is the only best way I can put it, because if I ask for your favorite thing in general, you'll probably spin out like I do. Um, But like today, what is your favorite moment that you've captured in what medium recently?
2: Oh, goodness. Recently, I think sort of in a general sense, one of my favorite things to capture in the world of photography is beautiful imperfection that like, again, I think that shifting of the needle is one of the really vital things to me. And so I don't do basically any, uh, I don't do any Photoshop. I do very little post editing. And so I'll brighten some colors. I'll soften some things. I might soften some acne out, but I try not to get rid of things because like, that's the body, you know, and having people see themselves and see that part of them and see that is not something that needs to be smudged out and you know gotten rid of and then shifting that for other people that other people see those images and are like oh like having that scar isn't something to be ashamed of is a thing that I think feels incredibly powerful as a tool and the responsibility in that feels really vital yeah um, uh, and then I guess in uh poetry land I wrote throughout the year, I was traveling in the RV. I wrote a lot of poetry. I wrote a lot of words. I was processing a lot of grief for a bunch of different reasons. Pandemic, relationships Mm -hmm. ending, lots of life Mm -hmm. happening. Of course. And I really like, I have that together as a chapbook of just sort of that process and sort of the poetry changing as I change locations of you know, working in a desert or working on the in the redwoods, or you know, when I got home back into the Appalachian Mountains and like that feeling, um, mm-hmm. and then I think just recently I was working on one that was back to devo- devotional work. I was working on one around imbulk and Brigid is one that I feel a lot of connection to, and there's a particular line someone said in a ceremony at some point of an act of Bridget, like not just the maternal side, but that she's also the goddess of the forge. And the idea of if you can withstand the heat and hold the hammer, you can reshape it. And that idea has always like stuck with me of that concept of like, we withstand the fire and test ourselves against it. And so I was working on a poem based on that, but it's, I don't think it's done yet. That's
1: fair. Yeah. No, I, uh, I adore Bridget as the, as the blacksmith and the goddess of the forge. That is literally my favorite part of her.
2: Yeah. It's one of my favorites. Oh no,
0: it's beautiful. I kept looking at you, Caitlin. I was like, I knew, I knew. (laughs) But I mean, what a beautiful message about standing in the fire. I think we're all, we all go through that.
2: Yeah. Kind of stretching over the anvil to like be the thing shaping and also Mm -hmm. the thing that is shaped. And you have to have
1: drastic changes in temperature and shift. It's not easy for anybody. It's so hard, and it's not. Yeah, it's difficult for you. It's from both sides of it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to go back because I didn't get to comment on, but the
0: photography, and I think it's so beautiful, and how you don't like to Photoshop things out, and kind of, especially in this day and age when everything is Photoshopped and everything is kind of fake in a sense. I. I think that's almost revolutionary, actually, not to do
2: that. I think, so for me, it's part of the creative process, and I really enjoy it because I think a lot of people, if you look at art that is, I'm not here to ditch on digital art. Like, I think digital art is a really cool way. I am absolutely here to ditch on AI art. Fuck that. (laughs) AI art is theft, in case you are wondering. Um, But... (laughs) for me, part of the beauty of the things that I create is the like, this was real. This was here. This actually happened. And it's Mm -hmm. like giving this to people and letting the world have it. Is this like, you know, the world is so beautiful and magical and strange. And like, there's so much in it. And like, it doesn't need to be digitally altered to see these really beautiful, magical things. Absolutely.
1: Definitely better for our mental health because I have Seen some people that I love dearly and that I find beautiful in reality doctoring their photos before they post on different social medias and I know it's got to be rough on their mental health when they go from the image they've created on the computer to looking in the mirror again when they get ready in the morning.
2: So there's Mm -hmm. a small side note on that of like the camera selfie thing. Um, Mm -hmm. There's an entire world of photography and lens science and like what aperture you have the thing set to and all sorts of stuff that I'm not going to get into, but it (laughs) literally changes the shape of your face and the length of your body. And so you can make somebody just with the lens you pick look skinnier or wider or more rounded or whatever giving a little bit of grace to like, we think of cameras or as cell phones as being this like, oh no, that's the honest image. And it's like, yes and no, like yeah. there's a lot of flexibility in that world. And then like, I don't know, I have a very expressive face, right? So I think I do better mm-hmm. on video than I do in photos because like in video, I'm kind of transitioning between them. The second you take a picture of me, it's always like, ah, cause I'm in the middle of <laughs> being expressive. Yep. right I absolutely no, that- feel that. I used to joke that I started doing photography so I could be the one holding the camera. Um, (laughs) But also, I've done, especially during COVID, I did a lot of self portraiture um, and I've done a lot of photography in the snow and I've done a lot of nude photography in the snow because I get way too anxious about my models if I'm photographing them and I'm like, are Mm. you cool? Are you okay? Where if it's (laughs) me modeling, then it's like, I'm making the decision. I'm monitoring myself. I'm deciding. Which means I've been naked in the snow a lot, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and we've we've joked about how many different national parks I've been naked in, which is a pretty high number too. <laughs> <laughs> you get really good at that. it.
1: Hey. Yeah, it's great. We all have our skill sets. <laughs> no, yeah, because I take such weird pictures just my entire life. I think I was probably a late teenager where I started having to process the fact that if I insisted on liking all the pictures that were taken of me I'd miss all the moments that were being captured on film Mm, and so I've like I don't want to mean I've given up on looking good in pictures but I've given up on the fact that there will be a double chin showing if I'm facing the wrong way you're going to catch my stomach but the important thing is that I'm smiling and laughing and everyone around me is having fun.
2: Yeah, that you're there and you're in your body and you're experiencing it. And like, that's the important part of things. And I think there is a responsibility for photographers of like, you know, you're trying to capture the essence of a person. You're trying to catch this like more elusive thing that doesn't photograph easily. Mm
1: -hmm. And like,
2: you know, through lighting and lenses and your skill, that is your responsibility is to at the end, help them see about them. What is beautiful? Because I think we all have it. We all have this beautiful spark that should be seen and kind of appreciated. I mean, and I feel like that get
0: that gets lost sometimes in this modern era. It's more about looking perfect, or
2: I mean, you can see that, that. too. tying it into like the spiritual side of things. Yeah, one of the projects I'm working on is uh, photographing and interviewing people who identify as pagan of all different ages there's been this sort of movement of like the insta witch which like hell yeah like new pagan (laughs) voices and stuff like I'm totally into it and I think people trash it way more than they should but Mm -hmm. like there's this sort of like where's this coming from and it's like we've been here buddy right (laughs) this is not news (laughs) as long as America's been America there's been people practicing paganism in it Mm -hmm. and so I've been doing these interviews mostly with older people um, Mm. and trying to gather up some of these stories of like, what is it like to practice? And, you know, especially some of the stuff of like, were you ever fired for your spiritual practice? You know, did you lose kids in a divorce because of your spiritual practice? Like, we like to think that 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 doesn't happen, but like, it does, it did. Mm -hmm. And it still does sometimes, you know,
1: absolutely. You still can't, you still get denied, um, uh, adoption rights in -hmm. a lot of states, depending on whether or not you're active in the Christian church or not. Mm -hmm. even if you're a different established faith doesn't count. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Sounds incredible. And is that going to be something like
2: you publish or like, how are you going to be putting that out there? Um, So right now I'm collecting interviews and photos, and then Mm -hmm. they're going onto my Patreon. Uh, Mm. I don't know. Are you guys familiar with Patreon? Have you used it? Um, We actually
1: just started our Patreon podcast. (laughs) Congratulations. (laughs)
2: Thank Thank you. you. Yeah. And so right now it's exclusive content for my patrons. So Mm -hmm. the rest of the world gets a couple of blurbs and maybe two Mm -hmm. photos. My patrons get the full interview and the full series of photos. um, And that's where they're going right now. And then when I gather enough of them, I'd like to do either a project that could go online or get printed, uh, but I'd really Mm -hmm. like to do like a book. Of just like pagan people, Native American pagans, and what that looks like and what that practice is. Because oh. it's so varied and beautiful and strange. And you know, <laughs> it's been really fun to interview people of like some people who have very specific deity devotional work and some people who are a little more like me if you mm-hmm. if you corner me like I'll admit to being a head witch of just sort of like whatever <laughs> tools at hand whatever you need like you know no nonsense very Terry Pratchett which is uh, my vibe <laughs> yes wonderful. here for it
0: <laughs> well I think a book I think that's what I was hoping for because I think a book would be brilliant I think that would be wonderful yeah
2: yeah I'd really like to do that and I'd like to do some poetry paired with photos. And then I'm currently, I have some very big installation art ideas and I'm writing them out and sending in lots of application narratives and trying to convince a gallery or a residency of like, let me make the thing. It'd be so cool. Like- <laughs> oh,
0: that's fabulous. Well, it, can you share any about like your work you've done in the past? Cause I know you've been featured in galleries and had some exhibitions and so forth.
2: Yeah, uh, so I did an artist residency last year, and then I think that month I photographed like 15 different unique models and did several thousand photos just in that real short period of time, mm-hmm. and then I have a show coming up, I'd have to look at the details because I, I just got the acceptance recently, <gasps> Yay, um, congratulations. Congratulations. yeah, Windows to the Inside, which is expressions of mental health in the Woman Made <gasps> Gallery. Which is based in Chicago, it's the virtual show. And I checked them first because woman-made gallery, I was like, mm, suspicious. But they have a trans specific show, and uh, anyone who identifies as woman is part of this show, which I was like, all right, that's cool with me. But yeah, I uh, teach a lot of classes, I identify residencies, I hang in galleries. I kind of see like the business side of my work as these sort of two worlds where I have the Patreon. And this mm-hmm. like slowly building very communal aspect where it's lots of people putting in a little bit of money to help build something. And I'm really vulnerable and really like, I express a lot to them and they get a lot of my like successes, but also my frustrations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other side is this like trying to convince different strangers to, <laughs> to let me hang in gallery shows. And that's all the like very fancy writing all of the like this exhibit explores the fundamental blah blah blahs sort of this other world that I work in and I think there's benefits to both of them right because one gives you more outreach but the other one gives you more connection and in general I'm much more drawn to like connection and community Mm -hmm. over I did a New York show That's a beautiful one. It was really fun. Uh, But there was definitely a moment where I was like, I am not one of these people. (laughs) (laughs) I am a weird Southern pagan here in New York trying to convince other New York socialites, but I am one of them and I am not one of them.
0: (laughs) Wow. Oh
2: my goodness. But I mean, that's amazing. I mean, it
0: sounds like you've been featured all over, which is so cool. I mean, New York, that's that's
2: incredible. It's a lot of tenacity. I had, there's a quote I have somewhere of um, the practice of art is that of bearing your very soul. And Mm -hmm. the business of art is to then hold that in front of other people and have them reject it. And like, (sighs) it's hard. Like, it is one thing, you know, we've talked a whole bunch around this idea of like art and spiritual practice and Mm -hmm. imperfection and the beauty and like, that's fucking wonderful. But then turning that into the business side of things. I get really frustrated people who are like, oh, do what you love for your job and you'll learn to hate it. And like, no, we all love and hate the things we're passionate about. And like, there are definitely things that I get frustrated about with the business of art, but like, Mm -hmm. I think it's worth it. It's all I want (laughs) to (laughs) do.
1: No, I think that's wonderful. Well, I go ahead, Caitlin. Did you? I was just going to add that that's definitely the important part because if it's not what you want to do, then yeah, it's going to be something that you hate more than you love. But right. if, if it's what you want to do and there's no question of it, of course it's worth it. Like, right.
0: Uh, absolutely. I did. I wanted to ask, cause I was so fascinated by this in your bio. So I was just so curious about the fairy house building. <laughs> I wanted to know more about this because I am so so talking
2: my my very supportive mother who let me kind of whatever weird thing i wanted to make (laughs) i got i think i was 11 when i started just collecting things in nature and building these weird little fairy houses um and i got into it enough that i taught a couple classes on it when i was a kid and that's something my spiritual practice the community i worked with i started learning how to move and raise stones at a super young age Mm -hmm. And so in both of those worlds, I got a lot of exposure to having responsibility as a really young person and being taken seriously. And like I was an instructor teaching a class like it didn't matter that I was 12 years old, you know, and when I was moving stones, I was 15, 16, telling a big group of big redneck men what to do. (laughs) (laughs) I think that was it was very good for me. And now I am. stone crew leader. I'm one of the people who helps run and make sure that the stones are raised in a safe way. And I teach basically anybody who steps up is we teach and cross train and help them learn more. Um, But in particular, there's a young person that from about 11 on uh, Mm -hmm. was interested. And so I started teaching them. And the first time I saw them, they corrected someone, someone on something they were doing wrong or whatever. And this like big redneck guy was just like, yes, ma'am. And moved on. And like wow. this piece of my soul that's like, oh, like that is so good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for young people and especially people raised Femme mm-hmm. to get this experience of like you should be seen and heard and respected mm-hmm. and listened to. And if you have an expertise in a field, you know, your voice is contributing and it is important. You know, that's hard anywhere. Right. But, you know, yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh wow. No, that's wonderful. And I have to ask, Caitlin probably already knows, but I, there may be listeners that don't know what because I don't know about the stone moving and all that. I don't know anything about that. So I'm I'm curious what what is that exactly, other than the moving the stones?
2: <laughs> it's yeah, we move them and then we stand them up on their end. <laughs> and I can't tell you why we do it. Okay. There is okay. no direction to Nobody tells you what you should be feeling. I can mm-hmm. only tell you what I experienced, um, okay. which for me, it is this incredibly deep, powerful connection mm-hmm. to 100 to 400 other people all mm-hmm. taking action together, all breathing together, all moving together, okay. doing something that would be entirely impossible for one or five or 10 of us to do. Mm-hmm. When the stones are raised, this it's this very physical kind of connection. Um I often see spirituality. Uh my mom was a genealogist, is a genealogist. And Mm -hmm. uh, she had this family tree on the wall. And it was all of these names and she has back to my like great 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 grandmother all the way down, right? Mm -hmm. Almost totally filled in. It's nuts. And it came all the way down and I was like seven. And at the very trunk of this tree was my brother and then my name. And this idea of like all of this life kind of coming down to me you know in the spiritual practice I do we often say of like you know walk like your ancestors are standing behind you that idea of like all of this life that brings you to where you are Mm -hmm. and then I think something that happens in my spiritual practice and a lot of Different people is mm-hmm. that idea of like on to the seventh generation, this idea of what is now coming out from you, you mm-hmm. know, to me, the roots of that tree of like, all right, if this is coming down through me, what's coming out on the other side and being created. And I'm not interested in having children, um, but I do think there's a lot of potential to give to the world and to create mm-hmm. the next thing that comes. And those standing stones are that representation of okay. Our past history and the things our ancestors did, coming down to what we're doing in the moment and that connection to your community of like, this is a physical representation of people that I have literally put my life into their hands. And then creating something that should go on until after I'm dead, building a structure that seven generations on can come to and know what their ancestors did and they have a place to practice and worship and connect. So- wow idea. <laughs> no, no, thank you so much for sharing. That's incredible. Thank you. Yeah. That's, and so you, you can do it cuz you <laughs> it's nothing like it. It is nothing like it. <laughs> oh no, I fully intend to get
1: details from you on what is yeah. happening next to see if I can find a way to make that work because that sounds amazing.
2: There's so uh during COVID we couldn't gather and mm-hmm. so in 2020 my other executive officer who is a brilliant Bonkers genius decided we were gonna mail everybody stones, and so we mailed we mailed soup and we mailed spoons and we mailed stuff for every single ceremony we were gonna hold, and we mailed stones about mm-hmm. the size of a shoe and concrete and rope, <laughs> and together on Sunday, like we have uh, Labor Day Sunday, uh, we. Like we always have, and unlike we ever had before, (laughs) we moved and raised, and we created the largest stone circle in the world, which comprised of I think it was almost a hundred stones across the U.S. and in other countries. Somewhere there's a GPS coordinate. It's not quite a (laughs) circle, not even a little bit of a circle, but it's great. But I had somebody after we finished that process. Uh, A lot of what we talked about while we were building is it's like, okay, like, how do you turn a rock into a stone? And how do you turn this kind of commonplace item into a valuable, spiritual, important thing? And so we built ceremony around that idea. And after the event happened, a friend of mine was talking to me and she's like, you know, I've never been close enough to feel the stone wake up before. And she's like, cause it was just me and this little intimate, she's like, I felt it. And I was like, yeah, and I'm like, it's a pie, isn't it? Cause I'm like, now, you know why all the stone crew is hanging out right by it. It's cause we're all there. <laughs> like it's coming. It's almost here. Like, wow.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Very cool. Yeah. Very that cool. my stone is a, uh, in, in my RV, uh,
2: <laughs> in a, in a planter pot. Yay.
0: Yeah. It goes with you everywhere. It does. I love it. And I have to go back to I loved your visual of the family tree and those generations and the ancestors behind like walking with us. And um mm-hmm. we talk a lot about mediumship on this podcast. And okay. I'm I'm studying mediumship and it's it's so similar, but I never thought about all these generations that are always with us. And, um, I just mm-hmm. love that visual. I think it's absolutely beautiful.
2: Working with finding what the spiritual practice of your ancestors mm-hmm. were is a really great way to like non-appropriatively find a spiritual practice to do, mm-hmm. which I've also participated in a lot of different kinds of ceremonies, mm-hmm. including santerian And I think if you're, you know, traditionally black spiritual practice, but I think I keep a Ganesh in my RV and it's one of the things of like the opener of roads, very important. And like for me in my own very private solitary practice of like, this is a tool that I use to connect to a piece of the divine. Mm -hmm. And like, I try to do it as respectfully as I possibly can, but I am absolutely not going to tell anyone that I know shit from fuck of how to practice spiritual stuff with Ganesh. It is a tool that I use just for me. And I Mm -hmm. think that's something that You know, if you feel called to a spiritual practice that Mm -hmm. could be considered appropriation, like in your own space, doing it respectfully. I also blues dance, which is traditional Black dance. And when I teach blues dance classes, I always start with, like, this is a traditional Black dance. This came out of slave dancing. This was practiced by people that did not have rights. You should go and give money to Black teachers. You should go and give money to Black artists. I'm here to show you the things that I love and appreciate about this. Mm -hmm. but this is not mine this is not yours Mm -hmm. and when we dance this we have to have that respect for where it came from and who it belongs to Mm -hmm. opinions i have big feelings about everything
1: (laughs) (laughs) no it's uh it's it's awesome and i mean poor jess usually has to listen to my big opinions about lots of things so no yeah by all means keep sharing
2: (laughs) (laughs) that was my partner said the uh he said it's one of the reasons he loves me is that i i have big feelings on just about everything from like spiritual stuff to like city planning i have big lawns one of our first dates we had a like 10 minute diatribe about like getting rid of fucking monoculture grass like uh uh-uh that public transit and urban
1: sprawl all need to change i could i could fight (laughs) i have been known to raise my voice at people who don't understand why we need a train going between my town and the city so that we don't have to build any more roads to get to work all
2: the trains yes transportation
1: so yeah no we could definitely go on a double segue rant uh with very (laughs) little effort but we should probably keep it up okay but no I do like that view of how to handle what's considered respectful and what's considered appropriation because it is such a blurry concept that there are people in all kinds of groups that have different opinions about what counts as what yeah I mean you'll even get the like
2: tarot is only this one Romani group and it's like maybe like tarot is one because I did a bunch of research because I'm designing a tarot deck and it's like okay but like the art of card divination we can see kind of sprawled across so many different cultures and like the first ones that the writer wait who i can't remember the actual femme person who created it go look that up it's important um but their deck base was i think uh french there's the Mm -hmm. italian wood blocks like you see it everywhere and like i don't know those those sort of muddy waters. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same in art, right? I had this creative process where I wanted to like print photography on kimonos and I'm like, oh, that'd be really cool. And I'm like, how hmm. <laughs> can I do this? How do I do this? How could I do this respectfully? What are the steps I'd have to take? Mm-hmm. And like, just bringing, I think just bringing that mindfulness to whatever work you're doing of like, what is the history of this and how can I respect the people, especially if they were had their spiritual practice repressed or their culture repressed, you know?
1: Right.
2: Yes. And doing I think, more
1: research is always good.
2: Yeah. yeah. And I think it was Pamela Coleman
0: Smith was the artist. Maybe. Yeah. I believe you. I so. I, I'm, not <laughs> I'm pretty baby. sure I was. I had to go back in my brain. I'm like, <laughs> I think <I'm>, that's who <laughs> it is. But yeah, exactly. Well, well, the, I know we've kind of talked about it because we, in at the beginning, but just kind of to refresh, um here towards the end, because I know we talked about like making bread and that mindfulness, but what are mm-hmm. some tips that people are wanting to bring more spiritual, um, I almost said spiritualism because <laughs> we always talk about spiritualism, <laughs> but br- make, and um, bringing that into their art, that, um, their spiritual beliefs or are, are make like, what, wh- how could, what are some good tips to go about doing that?
2: Oh, spiritual, like your spiritual practice, how to tie your spiritual practice yes. and your art together. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. That's um, what I was trying to say. <laughs> I've done some dream work, I think, depending on how you move in your world of like, sometimes I feel like pieces of ideas will kind of come in on dream stuff. And so dream journaling or, and then I'm a big proponent of just like when something kind of keeps showing up, I often try to take notice of it. Recently, it was The Horse With No Name that song, three times in the last three days. And I'm like, what does this mean? What are you trying to tell me? I don't think I've heard that song three times in the last three years. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, it came (laughs) on and the next day, I was like, oh, the horse with the name, that's weird. And then my partner had it happen to him a third time and I was like, there's something there. But in creative space, I think of creativity a lot as like a muscle, right? Like Mm -hmm. anything else, it's a practice. And as you practice it, it gets stronger. People shy away from things that they're not immediately good at. And that's Mm -hmm. fair. Like that's what we're taught. There's, I have a practice of making ugly art is what I called Mm it, which is I'm going out and I'm going to photograph and it might be leaves in the trees and it might be Piles of rubbish, and it might be this edge of a building. And someone may have photographed this a thousand times before. I don't care. My job is to go out and make art and, Mm -hmm. you know, doing that over and over and over Mm -hmm. and strengthening that muscle of like, no, this is what you do. This is how you create. Let's more come through. Journaling every day to help work on your poetry. And then, you know, tying those into that spiritual practice of like slowing down. I think, I don't know, sometimes people think of, for me personally, I'm not a big, not an all or another. I hate. And anytime somebody's like, this is always the truth. I'm like, <laughs> um, but for me, the, like the act of spiritual work does not have to be big or dramatic. Uh, it doesn't need fancy tools or fancy clothes or fancy time or fancy moon cycle. Like it's just that being mindful. And so like, mm-hmm. if all you do Is before you journal a little bit or before you go out with your iPhone to take pictures, you just take a moment and like take a couple of deep breaths and connect. Sometimes I like to imagine like opening my eyes and opening my eyes again, of like to see and then to notice, right? Like a big part of photography is that like it's all there, it's all happening, it's all magical and beautiful all the time. Your job is to notice it and then to capture it for other people.
0: It's beautiful.
1: Thanks and logical i like the combination of beauty and and logic yeah and all that science yeah that's perfect yeah that you don't
2: need a whole lot like i think i think you can just sort of take those and then if you want to do more big magic by elizabeth gilbert is a fantastic book mm. i totally recommend it i've done the artist way it's good it's a little antiquated but it is about spiritual practice and creativity and tying those things together and is totally worth doing if you're willing to go into it with like it's kind of the uh the ethical slut of the creative spiritual world where it's like, it's good. It's a little out of date, but it has some good stuff in it. So like go <laughs> in knowing that.
0: <laughs> right. I love your idea of ugly art. Cause I know I'm someone that's like, Oh, it's not going to be very good. So I, I know I have a tendency just not to do it or if it's right. not, yeah, yeah. I can't no, do it perfectly. Art. So I, I right. love that idea.
2: It was super freeing for me of that, like, no, it doesn't have to be good. And then you come home and you upload it. And like, sometimes I'll post it for my patrons. Sometimes I don't. And like, it's okay. And it took some of that pressure. I think, especially if you do it for your living of like, well, it has to be, and it's like, it has right. to be, like, just go do your job. Not every day is promotion day at work. Sometimes you're just <laughs> going through the motions. I love it.
0: Oh, that is such great advice for so many aspects of our life. <laughs> I
2: love that. Going through the motions still pedals the bike.
1: Oh, I like that. I read that on the internet and I was like,
2: oh yeah. It was for depression specifically. Sometimes you just gotta go through the motions because it still pedals the bike. That is so accurate. I
0: feel like there are going to be so many little like quotes out of this podcast or things I'm going (laughs) to write down
2: and just got to remember that. Got to remember
1: that. Put on post-its around the computer so that I can look at it periodically throughout the day.
2: I do have in the world of not falling to crippling depression when you're a creative person, I have a book of positive thinking, which is anytime anyone has said something lovely about my art, I write it down in this book and put who wrote it and what's the date. And then on days where I'm like, I am a failure of an artist, I like go through and read it. I did it today to get ready for this interview as of like, I do the thing. Um, and the two that stood out to me was a person who told me that my art was not just art. It was an act of ritual. Ooh. which felt really good. And then a person who was in hospice, who requested a few of my pictures and somebody messaged me and was like, did you realize that your photography is ministry? And wow. those were two. was like, all right, okay. On the right path, <laughs> I'm doing the yeah. thing.
0: That's incredible. And what a brilliant idea too, because I think we tend to forget that or we just stick with the New, negative.
2: Scientifically, we are not designed to retain compliments. Mm-mm. Yep. Well, wow. another thing for the post-it note, Kayla. We have to remember <laughs> say another thing to
0: remember to do. I My it. partner and I
2: often say, "Of uh, there's lots of the people in this world who are going to want to beat you down. Don't be one of them." Oof. Yep. Like, right. <laughs> lots another of people post-it. don't want me to make art. I should not be one of them. Oh my goodness. Literally
1: working on that problem with my therapist this, uh, the sessions, these couple sessions. So, no, that is that is apropos, fitting, and accurate all in one.
0: Yeah. This has been absolutely incredible. I, I know personally, I can't thank you enough for coming on our podcast. And like I said, there's gonna be so many things I'm gonna be writing down, and I'm gonna practice that journaling or ugly art.
2: <laughs> ugly work art. On
0: that. Yes. Yeah. Thank
2: you guys for having me. It was really wonderful.
0: Well, until next time, bye, everyone.